Thanks to Third Love for supporting Muller, she wrote. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering our listeners 15% off their first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash AG to find yours today. And thanks to Policy Genius for supporting Muller, she wrote. Policy Genius is the easy way to shop for life insurance online. In just two minutes, you can compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price at policygenius.com. And thanks to Beta Brand for supporting Muller, she wrote. Beta Brand has the pants to match your style. They have boot cut, straight leg, skinny, cropped, premium, denim, six button and wide leg pants in dozens of colors, patterns and cuts. So go to betabrand.com slash AG and get 20% off your dress yoga pants. This is Jack Bryan, the co-writer and director of Active Measures, and you are listening to Muller, she wrote. Lucky you. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I didn't have not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to Muller, She Wrote. I'm your host, A.G., and with me today are Jaleesa Johnson. Hello. And Jordan Coburn. Hello. Uh, what an incredible week. Uh, we went from zero to 60 in one phone call, and there doesn't seem to be an end to these stories about what corruption the president and his lawyers are trying to hide. Uh, we aren't used to things happening this fast. We covered the Mueller investigation. <laughs> that was really slow and methodical and no leaks. Uh, everything we got was from public reporting, um, and we put it all together over the course of two years. And then when the Mueller report came out, it turned out to just be all that in one giant report. Uh, this whistleblower scandal is traveling at the speed of light. I mean, if you think about it, we only got the whistleblower complaint Thursday. Crazy. Uh, since then, the DNI has testified. Giuliani threw Pompeo under the bus. Trump threw Giuliani and Pence under the bus. <laughs> and the United States of America. Uh, we have subpoenas issued. The special envoy to Ukraine resigned. He's scheduled to testify in three committees starting this week. We went from 138 Democrats supporting impeachment to 224 representatives. A formal impeachment inquiry has been announced, and uh, three former officials dropped news about more calls and more meetings being hidden by the president. So we're going to have a packed show today. Uh, Jordan, you're going to be covering what's going on with the NRA. Mm-hmm, they're in, back around. They're back in the news uh, with a, with another little squid pro crow. And Jaleesa, you have a story about a White House communications official for the Army at Mar-a-Lago that's been sentenced to three years probation. Yeah, major gross beans, for sure. Gross beans coming up for that. Uh, I'll be covering new information about the Oval Office meeting with Lavrov and Kislyak that came out uh, over the weekend and how that ties to Mueller. And uh, for the interview, we have real life lawyer and uh, Andrew Torres from the Opening Arguments podcast. So that's a nice, chunky interview at the end of this uh, mm-hmm. show. Uh, we do have a live show in Boston at City Winery coming up November 7th, so grab tickets to that. And uh, we have a, like a new Super Space Beans design on mugs, tanks, and T-shirts and oh, totes. Oh, fun. Yeah, it's really neat. It's retro 60s. She's out in space. 
It's, Hell yeah. it's great. And uh, right now, if you sign up as a Patreon at the $10 level, we'll send you a free Super Space Beans mug as a thank you gift. And as a patron, you'll get all the bonus content, pre-sale tickets to live events, invitations to private meet and greet events, our weekly newsletter, which includes my personal research notes, uh, and ad-free episodes of our daily morning news podcast called The Daily Beans. We'll also be setting up video in the studio soon, and you'll have access to our online community of amazing listeners. So for all that, head to patreon.com slash wrote. And we have a lot of news, but before we get to it, it's time for my favorite segment, Corrections. It's a mistake. It's hard for me to say I'm sorry. Oh, I made a mistake. All right, so we get a lot of emails about the pronunciation of Greta's last name. It's Thunberg. Oh, cool. Not Thunberg or Thunberg. Thornberry. <laughs> Different resort. Uh, well, she's not a resort. Different place. Yeah, but she does remind me of Eliza Thornberry, yes. who was one of my heroes oh, growing yeah. up. She, yeah. She reminds me of my goddaughter. She looks just like Liliana. Oh. Uh, my goddaughter. Shout out. Uh, so thanks to the many people who pointed that out, including Donna Fifke. Um, Rowan Catal says, or Catow says in the Daily Beans episode, Trump refrigerator poetry. AG jokes that she just copyrighted that phrase. However, names and brands are trademarked. Copyright All right. is different. <laughs> All right, so trademark it. Uh, and then he says, sorry, this is such a lawyerly correction, but you guys take tongue-in-cheek corrections sometimes, so it was worth a shot. I'm also not even a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither, buddy. High five. Uh, Kyle Mahaney would like us to know that <clears throat> the SCOTUS case with the Washington Post that we were referring to is presumably United States v. the Washington Post Company at all uh, at Alia in 1971 regarding the release of the Pentagon Papers. This case, this case was jointly decided with New York Times Company v. United States, which basically was the exact same thing. The key difference is Washington Post kept publishing while there was an injunction on the New York Times and they were stuck going through the courts. Hell yeah. So that's why they Go that's why they published and New York Times did not, even though the sources were the same, um, <clears throat> presumably, but they were. Uh, Jules L- Lewis, Jules Lewis, you have a math correction saying prime numbers. Um, you go, you know, and we got there with composites. But when AG was asking about Julissa's birthday and said one plus nine is ten and one plus zero is one, which is prime. Unfortunately, one is not a prime number. Mm. A prime is a positive integer greater than one that cannot be formed by multiplying two smaller natural numbers. Blast. In- <clears throat> Interestingly, <laughs> one is neither a prime nor a composite. All right. All right. So thank you. We got prime numbers and primary colors now all sorted out on this podcast. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) We're hitting the hard issues. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, uh, Andrew Clay wants us to know in the Daily Beans episode, Trump Refrigerator Poetry, around the 20 minute mark, it was said New York State court case could move to SCOTUS after being heard in New York State Supreme Court. New York State Supreme Court is the original jurisdiction court for civil and some criminal cases. The court of highest authority in New York State is the Court of Appeals in Albany. Uh, and I made this mis- uh, that mistake in the first couple weeks of school this year, he says. Eventually, a professor caught me on it, and it felt like the cold call scene from the paper chase. <laughs> All right, paper chase references. <laughs> Along those same lines, Lori Owen says, a case, criminal or civil, that begins in state court does and can be appealed to the highest court in the state, but from there it can also be appealed to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court of the United States does not have to take the case, but a litigant is allowed to appeal to that court. So, All right. Thanks, Lori Owen, Arizona attorney. Natalie Belmare says, Hi, ladies. On the damp dollar bills on a clothesline episode, <clears throat> you said that the $140 million payment was mysterious, but those payments were always a part of the package to help fend Russia, uh, fend off Russia, coming from the State Department and were for maritime security, NATO, 
interoperability and various initiatives to help Ukraine's military. Uh, and now from Kate McCulloch, uh, our first correction on a correction. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, she says you should do some fact checking on your correction segment. Uh, we leave that up to you guys. Um, the correction is about the FBI bringing the terrorist phone into a store. Uh, and that's patently false. Not only did Apple employees sit with the FBI personnel, but I also worked in CT during that time. Tim Cook was playing purely a purely PR game. If FBI could have taken the phone to a store, do you seriously think they would have paid $1 million to an outside group? Please be careful. <laughs> also, the FBI does conduct drug tests. I think we corrected that right after we... Yeah, yeah. But fair point. I appreciate it. Yeah. I don't even remember what the first correction we said was. Uh, I, I don't either, but apparently somebody told us that they took it into an Apple store and cracked it for them, or oh. could have, or something like okay. that. We say a lot of things. I believe it. That was a correction that we got, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we just read your corrections. Uh, but yeah, we could research them, I suppose. Uh, and here's my favorite, but then we wouldn't get more corrections. I accidentally called Keith Schiller, Trump's bodyguard, Kurt Schilling, the Boston Red Sox pitcher with oh, the no. <laughs> infamous bloody sock in the 2000 World Series, 2007 World Series. You may not know this about me, but I am a sports fan and I knew that. Uh, and for all the corrections this week, this one shames me the most. So I do apologize <laughs> for calling him Kurt Schilling. What happened to his foot? Uh, he's bleeding. I can't remember. Bleeding foot? Yeah. That doesn't sound terrifying. good at all. <laughs> I don't know how you bleed in I baseball. I got hot foot. I had that once, yeah. I was really stoned and my foot was really hot. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. What is that called again? Like neuro... Paranoia. <laughs> Paranoia. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. You're talking Paranoia. about something totally different, right? Yeah. yeah. No, so, I don't know. Like something that like diabetics get. I get it too when I'm having like a panic attack oh sometimes. I got like the, the bottom of my foot just gets really hot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We call yeah. them angry toes. Angry toes. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's cute. I got angry toes. Uh, all right, those are corrections. If you have a correction, head to MullerSheWrote.com, click on Contact, and select Corrections. We'll get it right eventually. All right, we have about three years of news to cover today, so let's get to it with just the facts. All right, just last Sunday, in the last Muller She Wrote episode, we were talking about this whistleblower whose complaint never made it to Congress. What we knew then, looking at my notes at the time, was that there was a whistleblower complaint and that it might actually involve Trump extorting the Ukraine, or excuse me, Ukraine, to investigate his political rival under the threat of withholding military aid to Ukraine. And we thought perhaps there would be other egregious national security issues deemed credible by the intelligence community inspector general. Uh, on Monday... Uh, Trump admitted to withholding the military aid and began denying a quid pro quo at the same time while pushing a corruption narrative, telling the press and the public that he's always said that withholding funds was about corruption. Uh, but then he changed his story again. Uh, on Monday, we had 137 Democrats in favor of opening an impeachment inquiry. And then Tuesday, Pelosi announced a formal impeachment uh, based on reports of Trump's call with the Ukrainian president. Wednesday, Trump released the transcript of the call, thinking he could get out ahead of it. But that ended up being a huge mistake. Uh, and we learned later that Pompeo did not want Trump to release the transcript, but McConnell actually encouraged it. Mm -hmm. And the transcript shows clear quid pro quo, uh, and it corroborates the whistleblower complaint. Then Wednesday night, members of the Intelligence Committees in the House and the Senate got to read the actual whistleblower complaint, and Republicans emerged with no comment, though everyone looked pretty disturbed. And then Thursday morning, the White House released the whistleblower complaint just before the acting director of national intelligence, McGuire, testified before the HIPSI or the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence to try to explain why he didn't hand the complaint over to Congress within seven days as required by law and instead went to the White House and then the Department of Justice. 
Uh, yeah, I kind of lean with, I believe he did do the right thing considering, like he said, it was unprecedented. Like, of course, naturally, you wouldn't want to go to the person that, you know, is in charge. But every other case before this has been some regular employee who did this and you would go to the top person first. Now the top person is doing it. Trump, you know, he's the first. I don't know if you would go to the White House, though, if it was another person. I, I believe mean, that's the protocol. Yeah, yeah. You go to, like, the, the person that's highest up, right? Or, like, that was his argument, at least. But that's not the protocol in the law, though. Who would you go to, then? It says it has call? to go directly to Congress within seven days. Oh, shit. That's what it says. Mm. And it says shall, not his ta- may. His testimony, or- just, like, it to me, he seems like... Okay, he could either one be someone who's turning at the last minute, you know, or he actually is a good guy who thought he was doing the right thing at least. He was like, hey, I've never been in this position before, but I've been, you know, doing these kind of jobs for a long time. So cut me some slack. Yeah, he doesn't seem like a dick to me. Yeah, totally. I think he did exercise poor judgment Mm -hmm. by not obeying the law. I agree. Yeah, I think so, too, because if if it was about something else, unless it was another person that was super high up or whatever, like you said, I don't think you would have any reason really to go directly to the White House house about it. Yeah, and it kind of comes back to that whole question we've been asking about the counterintelligence stuff. Uh, Matto asked James Baker and asked Andy McCabe, like, hey, if you have a bunch of stuff that implicates the president in the counterintelligence investigation, you normally, if you, you know, if you have stuff that implicates anybody in a counterintelligence investigation, you, you would alert the executive branch. You would alert the president. You would alert Department of Justice. You would alert Congress. Right. And so she's like, what do we do in this situation? And we've been asking this, too. Who do you tell? And, and because if you can tell the Gang of Eight, but Nunes is on there, and that's going to mm. get back to Trump. Mm-hmm. And so, if, but in this law, it specifically lays out that you, you go directly to Congress, do yeah. not pass go, do not collect $200. So. You know, is he, I'm hoping that, considering that he says he's nonpartisan, I don't even know what he would you know, uh, register as, I think that he, he could have been hopefully playing the long game and he's like I'll go to Trump first because I know Trump's going to try to cover this up and I will have not look like I was just working against Trump like I was just trying to you know like I don't think he has friends necessarily on Trump's mm-hmm. team but just to be as nonpartisan as possible right because he knows Trump is going to dig his own hole he's like hey by the way I found this shady shit on you what should I do <laughs> you know like it, I, I hope his heart was in the right place the whole time because it seems like he still did a good deed at least testifying right yeah and I don't think we'll ever know what's in his heart uh, but, yeah, I'm but hoping, we can, hoping. yeah, we, we can hope. Uh, but the information did eventually get, you know, Trump mm-hmm. himself, the White House himself, released the whistleblower complaint and their version of the, you know, conversation uh, that, you know, Trump had with Zelensky on July 25th. And the Congress na- eventually did get the whistleblower report and was able to read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was kind of his argument. Like, I only delayed it by seven days. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that came out Thursday. But he he's. But if the ICIG hadn't alerted Congress to the fact that the complaint exists, would it have ever gotten to Congress? Right. Good question. And now we know that they've been pulling these conversations and storing them in a classified security system all along, basically. Mm -hmm. And the fact that the DNI doesn't know that that's something that Trump is doing, that's bad. The director of national intelligence should probably know that they're storing stuff that is not classified intelligence in those systems. But of course he doesn't know that because it's sketch as fuck. And they may not have told him. I mean, because Coates knew, Gordon knew, they're gone. 
and this acting DNI for six weeks, the, the, Trump might have said, we're not going to tell him about our little secret hidey hole. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they knew who Heidi they could hole. trust. <laughs> and they knew who they couldn't trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and <laughs> Trump is saying he's doing that to protect from leaks. Well, yeah. Uh, if, you know, most transparent president ever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Just imagine like a little hole in a tree in the backyard. <laughs> they run out to every, every time. Tiptoe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and in case you missed it, the whistleblower complaint matched the call transcript exactly and basically says, hey, I'm in the IC. I talked to about half a dozen people in the White House and the NSC who all told me the president pressured Zelensky to investigate Biden, which we all feel is an abuse of power. Oh, and the president has been hiding his politically sensitive call transcripts in a classified system meant for secret ops. And the White House admits to this practice. They admitted to this practice last week, going back to 2017, saying, as I was telling you a minute ago, it prevents leaks. Also, Giuliani and Bill Barr are mentioned in this complaint, uh, as well as some folks from the State Department, namely Volker and Sondberg, uh, special envoy to Ukraine, ambassador to Ukraine. Oh, and Pence knows, too. Just a, just a really damning document with no clear answers as to why the DNI broke the law by not handing the complaint over to Congress when I mean, we heard his reasons. Um, he had seven days to do it, and he did not. But he did say, Jaleesa, like you were saying, this is unprecedented and the president is above the DNI and he has privileges. Yeah. So. What would be a fun little The Ring reference here? Like, you're going to die in seven days. Like, I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of something. Maybe the fans will tweet us. Oh. Like, they're funny. They're comedians. Yeah, but I yeah, something like, maybe. once yeah. you read the whistleblower complaint, yeah, you're you going you to get fired days. in seven days. I don't know. We'll figure it out, guys. Together, fired, yeah. we know all the jokes. You get fired in one Scaramucci. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> once, you, once you read the complaint. <laughs> Uh, anyway, just very poor judgment by DNI to McGuire, I believe. But I, like I said, I agree with you, Julie. I don't think he's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Right, I, right. I don't think he's part of a cover-up. He was pressured, probably. We don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll find out. We'll Time find will tell. out more. Yeah. We'll find out more. Uh, then we learned from the DNI that he and the ICIG made a criminal referral to the Department of Justice about the content of the call. They found it so credible and urgent, they made a criminal referral. But uh, the Department of Justice and Bill Barr decided not to even investigate it, which had the added effect of shutting down any IG investigation. The ICIG, therefore, couldn't investigate the matter. So now we have the whistleblower complaint known to the criminals uh, who are the subject of the complaint, not being investigated by anyone and being literally um, held back by the DNI. So. You know, were it not, like I said, for the ICIG informing Congress the existence of the complaint, they may never have gotten it. I don't know that they would have. I don't know that the DNI would have done the right thing at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if he would have just kept holding it back. Uh, but uh, during the DNI testimony, Trump Trump spoke to a U.S. mission uh, to the to a U.N. group with no press in the room, but someone recorded it. Where Trump says he wants to know who ratted him out because people like that used to be killed. Oh my God! Um, I didn't hear the killed part. Well, he said whacked, but you know, for Trump, everything's Jesus. a euphemism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And okay. he, he was saying we used to treat him differently. Yeah, yeah, um, totally. Uh, quote: He said, "Who who who informed the whistleblower? Because that person is close to a spy, and we used to treat spies very differently. Wow. In this country, uh, wow. it's it's like he's physically incapable of not witness tampering. Yeah, <laughs> you know? he has the right to remain silent, but not the ability. <laughs> it's one of my favorite quotes that circulates. Totally, mm-hmm. totally. And then Giuliani lost his mind." Uh, and he threw the State Department under the bus. He went on Fox News and showed a bunch of tweets from Volcker saying Volcker and the State Department are the ones who uh, instructed Solicited, him. Yeah. 
to go to Ukraine. But that was only after Trump threw Pence and Giuliani under the bus. And then Barr threw Trump under the bus by saying he's mad that he was connected to this. Mm. Uh, just a bunch of criminals standing in a circle with their guns drawn is what this feels like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did yeah. you see Did you see a Saturday Night Live? No, I missed it, okay. but I, I've been waiting to watch the cold open. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, there's an amazing... Kate McKinnon, obviously, does Giuliani, and it's so funny. She's so good. She gets the she, mouth just right. Yeah. She's, like, talking on the phone to him, and... Uh, She's like saying all of this shit that, you know, you'd only say in like a private phone call. And then it pans back and you see like CNN and MSNBC and all the different logos. <laughs> like, oh, I'm, I'm on I'm on TV right now. <laughs> it's like, That's amazing. It's so funny. I hadn't seen it yet either, but I've heard great things. Twitter is very uh, happy about the Kamala um, cameo or not cameo. Actually, oh, the opposite yeah. Of Rudolph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It'd be so cool great. if she did show up. <clears throat> And like actually do like the Hillary thing and play alongside her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That'd that was, be fun. That was a good episode. Or yeah, that was a good episode. Yeah, yeah. Saturday Night Live. Yeah, it was a great premiere, I thought. Yeah. So yeah, here so here we have this credible and urgent whistleblower complaint, corroborated by the DNI testimony and the call transcript released by the White House. The evidence is clear, and by the end of the week, over two hundred and eighteen representatives supported impeachment. And um, they have a goal to vote on articles of impeachment by Thanksgiving. Pelosi wants to focus only on the Ukraine call, but I'm not sure how you're going to leave out the other aspects of the whistleblower complaint. The totality of obstruction of justice by this president, because as we know in the Mueller report, 10 instances of obstruction of justice, um, five at least that meet all three criteria for criminal obstruction of justice. And Mueller says, when you're looking at patterns of covering stuff up and obstructing justice, you have to look at the totality of the evidence. Uh, so I don't know how she's going to leave that out of there. But who knows what else we might find in the classified server Trump's been using to hide his politically embarrassing conversations and meetings. So that code protected classified server is there to protect national security, not to hide damning transcripts that undermine national security for personal mm-hmm. political protection. Uh, that's a flagrant abuse of power. So while I appreciate Pelosi's desire to keep the impeachment limited to just the Ukraine call for simplicity, uh, wait until you hear what happened Friday. <laughs> And we'll go over that just right after this break. Hey, it's AG, and I want to tell you about Third Love. Not only am I totally obsessed with their bras, but they're an amazing company, too. They are women-run, they use real women in their ads, and millions of real women's measurements to design their bras. And they're the industry leader with 80 sizes, including their signature half-cup sizes. And their super-fast and easy fit finder, which takes into account your size and shape. Uh, You can use that to find your perfect fit and skip the trip to the store so there's no more awkward fitting room experiences. Uh, Over 14 million women have taken the quiz to date. It takes less than 60 seconds. And you know how much I care about philanthropy. Well, Third Love, they give you 60 full days to wear it, wash it, put it to the test. And if you don't absolutely love it, you can return it. And Third Love will wash it and donate it to someone in need. But uh, you're not going to want to return it. Mine is the most comfortable bra I've ever owned. It fits me perfectly. The straps don't dig and they don't slip. There's no itchy tag. There's no cup gap because of their half cup sizing. Uh, No pinching. Uh, They're lightweight and breathable with thin memory foam cups that mold to your shape. They're proprietary to Third Love. It's it's just an amazing bra. And Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. So go to thirdlove.com slash AG now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash AG for 15% off today. You'll be glad you did. All right. Welcome back. Let's see if we can get all the Friday news. So we recorded Thursday night, and then the show dropped Friday morning, and then all day Friday it was just the hit, just the hits mm-hmm. after the hits after the hits. 
Uh, we learned Friday that Trump and the Department of Justice got the whistleblower complaint info before it was even formally fi- filed. Uh, the Justice Department National Security um, folks were informed about the complaint at least a week before the formal referral. The general counsel for one of the intelligence agencies, I'm guessing the CIA, alerted the NATSEC division at Maine Justice on August 14th. And in another Washington Post bomb last night, we found out that even though a State Department official has said that this is not politically motivated, there's they're ramping up the Hillary email investigation mm-hmm. again. It began right after the Department of Justice found out about the whistleblower complaint. Uh, in the week since August 14th, Uh, About 130 Clinton officials have been contacted by the State Department investigators who at some point emailed uh, all these people at some point emailed Hillary uh, and they've been told emails they sent years ago have been retroactively classified and now constitute a potential security violation. (laughs) And in virtually every case. uh, The now recategorized as classified emails were sent to Clinton's unsecure server. So funny, the guy who overrides security concerns uh, for clearances for Kushner and 30 others, and the guy who leaked Israeli intel to Russia in the Oval Office, and the guy who had classified documents out at Mar-a-Lago the night we bombed Syria and allowed strangers to take photos of it or hold their phones over it with their flashlights, and the family that used their own private servers multiple times to send and store classified information are pushing this. Mm-hmm. They're still they're still on Hillary's emails. One official contacted about his emails began, uh, being retroactively classified said the investigators are very apologetic and realize how absurd it is <laughs> that they're being forced to do this. Uh, they're being pressured from the outside. They say it's a f- again flagrant abuse of power and it's sucked up millions in taxpayer dollars. My God, wow! They're saying that to the people as they're telling them that they need to ask them things. <laughs> yeah, they're like, hey, sorry, this is stupid. But, oh uh, God. We're doing the Hillary email investigation and, you know, yeah. <laughs> still. Just fucking quit. Yeah. This yeah. is ridiculous. It's so dumb. And also Trump should quit. When <laughs> I, I can't believe that he has the audacity to say America for like 100% can believe it knowing who he is. But, but just on the outside, this is so much controversy. It is at the point where they can't legislate. Congress can't do anything. Trump can't do anything. No one trusts him. Everything that fucking sucks and is in such horrible gridlock. If you care so much about the country, resign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what Nixon did. Yeah. Uh, he resigned. Oh, uh, God. Because... Um, a Republican Senator Goldwater took a trip over there and said, look, man, you got to go. Yeah, we're, we can't do anything. You're going to get impeached and we're going to have a trial in the Senate and you're probably going to be removed from office. So in order to preserve the dignity of the office of the presidency, you got to go. Yeah. And Nixon was like, you're right. Ugh. So also Friday, Kurt Volker, who could end up being the John Dean of Stupid Watergate, resigned. Uh, his position. And we're told he resigned so that he could be out from under the administration to freely testify Mm. to the matter without pressure, you know, from the administration. Volcker is a McCain type guy. McCain Institute, uh, anti-Russian, you know, uh, war, uh, you know, kind of like a Cold War hawk and and could have like very important information about the conduct of Rudy Giuliani because, you know, Giuliani showed the Volcker texts on Fox News to Laura Ingram. And whether or not the president directed him to direct Giuliani to help Ukraine get dirt on Biden or if the State Department, the State Department directed him, as Giuliani insists, or if Giuliani went rogue or was otherwise directed by Trump himself. 
Uh, Volker, along with Sondberg, are mentioned in the whistleblower complaint, and Volker is now scheduled to testify before three House committees, including on October 3rd. He'll be deposed by the House Intelligence Committee. I do not know which, if any of these hearings, will be publicly facing. Hmm. Hopefully all of them. <clears throat> That'd be nice. Yeah, I mean, if we got McGuire's to be public, I didn't think that was going to be public. Yeah. But, so uh, these are depositions. They're usually recorded on video, and they'll be asked by counsel, not by the members. Hmm. So okay. I don't know if those videos will be released, if transcripts of the videos will be released after being declassified, or if, you know, what what happens with those. Do you know if McGuire got deposed in the same way? Uh, no. Uh, they just went straight McGuire to his full was, testimony before yeah. the members? Yeah. Now I he, wonder why they didn't do that with him. He did testify behind closed doors of the Senate Intelligence Committee, and I don't know if lawyers questioned him there, if he was deposed, if he yeah. was videotaped, meaning that, or if, he, if it was just like the House Intel Committee... Uh, but just we didn't see it. Right. Well, I hope it's public eventually. Mm-hmm. If not, it could leak. Mm-hmm. There's a yeah. lot. There's a lot of people right now who want to keep start sharing all this yes, stuff. Yes, so. especially if it's all happening in the house. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I hate to say that, like, oh. I know, <laughs> I know, but that's just how it is at this point. But the whole point of a, an impeachment inquiry is to get the public to back you. Mm-hmm. Uh, also Friday, the whistleblower complaint was corroborated again, as we learned from former U.S. officials that at least two other calls were squirreled away in the code word classified server, including a call with Putin and a call with Mohammed bin Salman, or MBS, who we call Mohammed Bonesaw, because he directed, the CIA found, and with high confidence, he directed his people to murder and dismember Washington Post report and U.S. resident Jamal Khashoggi. Khashoggi had been exiled by the Crown Prince for his reporting about Trump and uh, the Crown, uh, and it was he was considered a traitor to, to the Crown. Uh, the call between Trump and MBS that Trump decided was too politically explosive to allow, you know, no more than a handful of top White House officials to see it could quite possibly contain very damning information about what Trump and the Crown Prince knew about Khashoggi. And the Putin call could contain any number of favors Trump has done for Putin over the past three years, uh, including keeping sanctions off or lifting sanctions, the Deripaska stuff, pulling aid from the NATO program that helps Ukraine protect itself from Russia and diverting those funds to his wall, uh, getting Ukraine to pull back troops in the eastern province of Donbass, withdrawing troops from Syria, with which Putin publicly praised, withholding military aid from Ukraine. I mean, it's hard to know, but I'd be willing to bet there's more than one Putin conversation hidden in that system, mm-hmm. uh, or notes about meetings, for example, at the G20, etc., but uh, <laughs> where you'd be putting that Putin material. <laughs> <laughs> but these sources are saying no one knows for sure. Uh, also in that server, explosive new revelations about what went on in the Oval Office meeting between uh, Trump and Lavrov and Kislyak. And I'll go over that in hot notes. And to me, this is the big story of the week next to Dems opening an, an official impeachment inquiry, uh, which we had a whole cocktail party about during Wednesday morning, Wednesday morning's Daily Beans episode. So check that out uh, if you want daily episodes uh, and updates on all the news with swearing. Uh, Also Friday, Republican Representative Amodai came out in favor of impeachment. I think he's from Utah. Favor of an impeachment inquiry. But he wants you to know uh, that after the RNC probably yelled at him, (laughs) he said he's not publicly for actually impeaching him. Just just the inquiry part. Mm -hmm. So that's a step. Baby Mm -hmm. steps. And uh, Fox News is cracking, too, with Wallace and Shep reporting that the whistleblower complaint corroborated by the White House's own release of the memo of the call transcript from July 25th is a damning abuse of power. Mm -hmm. Though many guests are still on the Biden conspiracy thing that has been debunked a million times. 
Uh, it's really pathetic. Lindsey Graham was on Face the Nation this morning and said he's perfectly fine with the phone call. There was no quid pro quo. He says in order for there to be full on squid pro quo, you have to say the words, I will give you $400 million if you investigate Biden. Uh, and every single criminal prosecutor knows that's not how shit works. So Graham is compromised. I think he has been ever since that golf game where he did an about face on Trump. Um, and then also Friday, Schiff jammed three subpoenas up Pompeo's ass for his failure to hand over documents related to the whistleblower complaint. And I love this subpoena if you get a chance to read it. Uh, because he gave he gave him till Friday of this week to comply, and he added, "Not complying is obstruction of Congress." Mm-hmm. You Very did. nice. Yeah, if you got to freaking explicitly lay it out like that, there you go. I you guess idiots. so. Mm, yeah, especially if you're Lindsey Graham, you have mm-hmm. to spell it out. Uh, I hate Lindsey Graham. <clears throat> Lindsey Graham crackers. Also, Friday, Schiff sent a letter to Mike Pompeo with a deposition schedule in it, and it includes Ambassador Yovanovitch on October second. Yovanovitch was the ambassador that Trump fired for not playing mm-hmm. ball, I guess. Mm. Kurt Volker, uh, who took over when Yovanovitch was fired, and he, he, he talks to them October 3rd. This is the House Intel. Uh, Deputy Assistant Secretary George Kent is October 7th. A uh, State Department lawyer named T. Ulrich Briebel is scheduled <laughs> October 8th. And then Ambassador Sondland is October 10th. And breaking Sunday, Schiff has reached an agreement with the whistleblower to testify. So put some beans on Congress issuing a subpoena for the classified server. Uh, I think... That will be the Nixon tapes of Stupid Watergate. Yeah. So this is like going down. Like it's scheduled. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. The whistleblower. Um, yeah, that's huge. Yeah. I mean, we haven't seen this person yet, right? This will be the first time or mm-hmm. is it behind closed doors? Don't know yet. Okay. Okay. But I think I, I really do think they're going to they're gonna issue a subpoena for what's in that classified server. Uh, Trump will refuse to hand it over, I think. Put beans on that. And then SCOTUS will have to order him to. Uh, and I think once they have that, Republicans in Congress who have already said they'd privately vote to impeach Trump, at least 25 of them have said that, apparently. I think the number's more like 12. But if we can get if what's on that server, or if Trump destroyed it, or defies a court order to hand it over, I don't think some Republicans will hold. I don't see how they can. Yeah, I don't think so. Because that's that's the rhetoric I'm hearing. I'm hearing two things from GOP <clears throat> people that are talking to the media right now the first one is this is all ridiculous obviously (laughs) um and it's an overextension and it's a witch hunt and whatever and this would never happen to anyone else uh and then the other thing i'm hearing yeah the other also a republican Hmm. um but then the other thing that i'm hearing people say is just do it just do it so we can just get it out and just go through it let's just do this and these are the naive people that probably don't think it's going anywhere that's great Mm -hmm. cool i'm with you yep and a great tweet from tom nichols that's radio free tom on twitter reads there is a kind of karmic Uh, hilarity to the fact that in order to protect Trump, his staff centralized the materials that could doom him in a highly classified system that cannot be erased or manipulated without a record of access by a very small number of people. (laughs) I didn't know that. That's funny. Isn't that amazing? It's all there. In an effort to hide it from us, they've preserved it perfectly. Yeah. And then, I I don't know if you were going to get into this, but the Hillary parallels, I mean, they they come up every week. It's it's uncanny how the whole big deal was her emails and she can't be trusted and she's reckless with you know secret information and here we are yeah that's yeah. crazy to me that's how strong the sexism is in our country that people actually like fell for that when they were faced with trump mm-hmm. and i'm not saying everyone did but the people that voted for him definitely yeah and i think he's egregiously violated national security on several levels uh and uh, as far as this hidey hole goes for the mm-hmm. <laughs> for the politically explosive mm-hmm. stuff uh that is less of a 
threat to leaking national security intelligence, which is what he was kind of complaining about Hillary for, and more of a threatening national security by having these conversations and then abusing the use of this system to hide them from people. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, still shady, but it's I feel you. Yeah. Pelosi said it's a cover-up of a cover-up. <laughs> wow. <Yeah. clears throat> she says that's what we're facing. Yeah, like it's not the book you read, it's the book it leads you to. Yeah, yeah, and throw the book at Trump because he can't read. <laughs> <laughs> throw paper towels and books at him. <laughs> and Lanny Davis says his client, Michael Cohen, who is in prison, has some Ukraine information. Oh, shit. Yeah, I bet you do, buddy. <laughs> Why didn't you proffer this all up with your meeting at the Manhattan DA or mm-hmm. Mueller or Southern District of New York? Yeah. Where's that been? Oh, oh, I remember this now. I mean, what is he just? Oh, I mean, what Ukraine stuff would he have from the time period that he was super active, though? Probably just communications. With, I would assume communications with Trump about it. Yeah. If anything, maybe stuff that can debunk this right wing conspiracy theory. Oh, about the CrowdStrike servers maybe, in Ukraine? Yeah, maybe something like that. Maybe something about like the orchestration of that conspiracy theory. Yeah, and it's weird because we're learning that Trump keeps pushing the CrowdStrike conspiracy theory. Like, he's pushing that hard. But apparently it's Giuliani that keeps convincing the president that that's real. Mm-hmm. And yes. Trump is just dumb enough to believe it. Yeah. Um, this all springs from the failed Seth Rich conspiracy. Uh, and that the South Rich conspiracy was that when the DNC, DCCC, and Podesta's emails and Hillary Clinton's associates' emails were hacked by Russia, and they were indicted for that uh, by Mueller and and Trump's Department of Justice, it, you know, okayed that indictment. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it wasn't the Russians at all. It was in fact um, Seth Rich who leaked all this. And now that the Seth Rich thing has been debunked, so like you're like you're insane on that. Now Giuliani's stuck on that it was Ukraine, mm-hmm. uh, and they have the server. Uh, and CrowdStrike knows about it. Uh, and we saw this in, in Roger Stone trying to get the government to give him redacted CrowdStrike reports. But the government's like, there are no redacted CrowdStrike reports. You have it all. It's in the Mueller report. And it's in the 26 indictments of Russians who hacked and disseminated information. It's in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just it's the dumbest denial. It's just, it's just so ridiculous. But I found there people are saying that. It's Giuliani that's pushing that conspiracy theory. Yeah. I've heard people coming out just being like, dude, stop. Stop putting this bug in his ear. Mm -hmm. I read something that uh, I forget who it was. I can pull it up in a second. But he was basically just saying the more you say stuff to Trump, the more it's just going to stick in his head. Mm -hmm. And it's a repetition problem. (laughs) And for Giuliani, it's a repetition solution. (laughs) So it's just constantly... And just today, uh, on Sunday, we learned top former White House aide Tom Bossert has said the crowd strike DNC Ukraine conspiracy theory is totally false. Mm-hmm. And I think he and it's others, actually that guy. Yeah, Bossert. He, he and others have tried to tell Trump this is not real. Mm-hmm. But Trump keeps listening to Giuliani. Yeah. Yeah. Giuliani was on Stephanopoulos, right, today? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's where I read it. That's a story that I was reading, too. Yeah. Yeah. So this, I, I thought Saturday and Sunday might be relatively quiet, but they weren't. We had so much come out. Um, but Friday was insane Mm -hmm. so now we are we are where we're at and it's unbelievable that we've gotten here in three days did you see i saw a clip of giuliani as a talking head in a panel of four people or so and i forget what channel it was on i think it was actually on fox news and they probably had someone on that was like 
I don't know, countering what he was saying. But he started acting like a third grade bully. And he was like, shut up. Stop it. I stop. Heard Did you see clips. that? I didn't see it, but I heard it on a couple of podcasts. And I was like, is that real? Yes, that's what I was thinking, too. I almost couldn't believe it. I need to find it again. And I'm sure whoever's listening will know exactly yeah, what it says, is. Yeah, he shut up, you real. idiot. And yeah, it, it sounded up, so idiot. cruel and hateful. Like a you know? kid. He, yeah. Seriously, again, I'm telling you, these regressed motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see him trying to make fun of... Al Gore? Yeah, no. he was saying that um, Rick, oh, no. that who was he calling the Al Gore of the oh. Republican Party? Um, <laughs> Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney. <laughs> and he did this impersonation of Al Gore slash Mitt Romney where he like hiked his shoulders up to his neck and like even higher than usual. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, like he was no neck Joe from <laughs> Mike and Spike's <laughs> twisted animation. But, yeah, head oh, and shoulders. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, my God, what are you doing? Yeah. You're insane. Yes. Uh, and oh God. his body language is terrifying. Yeah, they're the there's, worst there's, couple. These are actually signs of dementia. Um, <laughs> and it's been said that it gets worse at night. So. Wow. <laughs> when Giuliani comes out at night. So he's not uh, a bat, I guess. That solves that old mystery. <laughs> he functioned better at he, night. He, if he that shouldn't were the be case. nocturnal if sunshine helps you with dementia. <laughs> yeah. That would be uh, counterintuitive. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> So crazy. Yeah, and and I'm excited about Hot Notes today because, uh, Jaleesa, the story you have about this ex-Army communications official from Mar-a-Lago. First of all, I don't know why there's an Army communications official at Mar-a-Lago. Um, and, yeah, what? I have theories, but yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> like, yeah. I got some theories. I guess now we know why there might be one, right? Uh, yeah, right? Yeah, let's you know get people to stay at our resorts, but... Uh, and then Jordan, you've got some a couple of stories that, that dropped on the NRA this week, and it's they're just they're going down i'm excited about it so yeah. i'm going to talk about that explosive uh kislyak lavrov meeting uh which was already terrible and now it's 10 times worse and we'll be right back with that with hot notes uh and the fantasy indictment league hey everybody it's halloween season so it's time to break out the plastic spiders and the fake cobwebs and spooky decorations but if you've got a family you might be dealing with something scarier which is shopping for life insurance but if the thought of looking for life insurance intimidates you it doesn't have to try policygenius.com it's really convenient, it's a huge time saver. In just two minutes, you can shop and compare quotes from top insurers and find your best price. But that's not it. Once you apply, the amazing folks at Policy Genius will handle all the paperwork for you behind the scenes, all the underwriting, and cut through all the time-consuming red tape so you don't have to deal with pressury salespeople or hidden fees or the time it takes to fill out all that paperwork. And they don't just take the work out of shopping for life insurance, they can help with home, auto, and disability insurance, too. Uh, I love Policy Genius. It really does take all the work out of shopping for life insurance. Their site is extremely user-friendly. I answered some quick questions, and in less than two minutes, I had a bunch of options to choose from, and I was able to do it on my own terms without pushy sales insurance people uh, trying to sell me stuff that I don't need. So it's convenient. It's super easy to use. Uh, so this October, take the scariness out of buying life insurance with Policy Genius. Go to policygenius.com, get quotes, and apply in minutes. You can do the whole thing on your phone right now. Policy Genius, the easy way to compare and buy life insurance. All right, welcome back. Hot notes. Okay, so today for hot notes, uh, Jordan, you have some news about the NRA. But first, Jaleesa, what is the Miami Herald reporting this week? Yeah, so in this week's edition of a little segment I like to call Trump sure knows a lot of pedophiles. We <laughs> learned that the military officer who was in charge of all White House communications for the Army base at Mar-a-Lago has been sentenced to three years probation, just probation, for lying during a child pornography case against him. That he's guilty in, by the way. 
So the guy's name is Richard Cicerella or Cicarella. Either way, um, it's a really weird name <laughs> to have in this case. He's no Prince Charming. And specifically, he's in trouble for uploading photos of a young girl to a Russian website in 2017 and 2018 while working at Mar-a-Lago at the Navy or the um, Army base. So according to court documents, he uploaded the pictures under the username Rich25N, whatever that means. And in one of the photos, the girl is only wearing her underwear. And the only reason he got caught is because he logged into the website with an email address that was connected to his work phone. <laughs> it's like his own glass slipper, you know? Republicans he had to log off before tech. midnight. Yeah, no, really. It's a great example of that. That should be the segment. So it's really fucked up. I didn't know that bit. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for ta- That made my day. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> the worst part is, though, that uh, Cicerella is still in the military. And uh, although... He, he could still be discharged, according to his lawyer, um, but for now, prosecutors did not conclude that the pictures were child pornography. I don't know how that's the case, uh, but that's why he got off easy, no pun intended. <laughs> and basically, this is just another story of a disgusting Trump associate doing shady shit that makes them vulnerable targets for espionage. But that's a really long title for a segment, so <laughs> we'll stick with uh, Republicans Can Tech. That's what this officially is renamed for now, and I yield my time. Thank you. <laughs> yield my time. I'll reclaim that time. Um, double Jeopardy. Too many has here. I know. I know. <laughs> double Jeopardy is not. You are not subject to double double Jeopardy in uniform code of military military justice mm. under law. So he can be tried for the exact same crime rising arising from the exact same circumstances in the military courts, and he should be if yeah. that's the case. Uh, like I still don't know how Michael Flynn it hasn't been tried for lying to Congress in the uniform co- under the Uniform Code of Military Justice. Seems like that would be a crime. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, in the military. But, you know, hey, what do I know? Um, I was only in it. Um, so, Jordan. Okay, Jordan. What? <laughs> Jordan. Yes. What is up with the NRA? Yeah, so on Friday, uh, it was revealed that a Senate Finance Committee investigation that was led by the Dems found that the NRA was more of a foreign asset to Russia leading up to the 2016 election than we previously knew. Yeah, I called that report. Here's a report from Senator No Shit McObvious. Yes, <laughs> like- exactly. Yeah, it kind of is, though. Seriously, it just sort of goes goes more into details about the gravity of everything, but the report looks at the extensive political efforts the NRA made to help Butina and Torshin, as well as organize the trip to Moscow by NRA leaders specifically, which they still are trying to distance themselves from. The report states that the NRA vice president at the time, Pete Brownell, was persuaded to make the trip by Russia when they offered business opportunities basically in direct exchange for whatever connections politically they were going to make. And the report also outlines how much the NRA helped fund the trip. And the main point here is that this could all ultimately contribute to the growing case against the NRA's tax exempt status because nonprofits are not allowed to use their funds for personal benefits or for actions that are way outside the boundaries of their main mission. And it seems like that trip to Moscow is something that would fall under both of those categories in some way. Uh, Republicans say that the report is dramatic and overstated. The majority statement about the report reads To the extent NRA funds were used in properly in any facts discussed in the Democratic report led by Wyden. It appears to have been minor, hardly a rounding error for an organization with hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue each year and nothing that cannot be corrected with minor intermediate sanctions. So the fact that they're even dropping sanctions to me 
is a huge indication that something bad happened. Yeah, the Republicans are like, <laughs> yeah. we could sanction them. Just give them a little sank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little sank in the bank. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I can't, I can't imagine that they would say that at all unless something like really bad happened. Because that's their whole thing, especially in freaking, I mean, yeah, when they're all emboldened Senate committees. But uh, even, even though the NRA keeps saying it was not an official trip, there are records of brown paying $16,000 in trip expenses personally and then getting reimbursed $16,000 by the NRA in June 2016. Uh, And then when concerns were raised about that reimbursement, he gave $17,000 back to the NRA. (laughs) So it's pretty obvious. Like a $1,000 bonus for for being a dick? Right. Or to make it, I don't know, to try to throw off the scent of the $16,000 paper trail. But it's like, dude, if you're doing that, it's worth the investment. Make it 20. Yeah. I don't know. Something. Yeah. 17 is one away from 16. $16,001. Yeah. It's like, we're still on the trail, bro. That's uh, honestly, odd numbers are more conspicuous. He almost tricked us. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it makes sense that he was trying to cover it up because he is the head of a entirely separate firearm supplier. So the yeah, so the idea that he did not stand to significantly benefit personally from that trip is and those connections is pretty ridiculous. And he also is on the record saying that he was like he was aware that that's what the intent intentions were for the trip, basically. So wow, yeah. So uh, and then the NRA just keeps trying to backpedal, and no one's on the same page. It's a fucking mess. So that's one story. And another story, on Friday, the NRA CEO Wayne LaPierre met with Trump at the White House, and this meeting was mostly about what the NRA's continued support of Trump through 2020 is going to look like and what could affect that support moving forward. So LaPierre apparently told Trump to, quote, stop the games, unquote, over legislation. So basically, I think you can boil this down to... Stop saying anything about expanded background checks, anything about any sort of regulations on guns, or we're not going to back you as much in 2020. Yeah, and they <clears throat> he also tied it in, uh, I think reports came out later, they were tying it into legal defense fees mm-hmm. for his impeachment. Mm-hmm. Trump need, needed uh, NRA totally. to help him pay his legal defense. Yes, right? absolutely. Oh, you're going to get there? No, 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 no. Sorry, oh. I was just pointing, saying yes. <laughs> um, yes. Yes, yeah, no, totally. There, there's like, there were a few different topics that were discussed, just all basically boiling down to help for his reelection campaign mm-hmm. in one way or another. So give me money to help me personally using a, a tax-exempt nonprofit 501c4 organization in exchange for legislative policy. Mm-hmm. That is a federal crime. Yeah. It's called bribing a public official. Yep. <laughs> and to me, honestly, I don't see how lobbying is kind of any different ever at all. <laughs> That's kind of a lot of like, people agree with been, you. Yeah, like they've been getting away with doing that this entire time. To draw the line here, though, I think is important, and the line should be drawn way further back in NRA's lobbying history because it is just super sketchy quid pro quo shit like that all yeah. the time. I heard an interesting quote today. I listened to a podcast uh, by a guy named Barry, Gary Vaynerchuk, and he talked about how when he's on entrepreneurs are young they're like all for the rules and you know being in the game of hustling but when they get older they use their power and money to influence the laws yeah and it's like a cycle of just people who you know get powerful through the system and then want to tweak the system because Mm -hmm. they don't want to play the hustle anymore totally or it's new hustle i guess yeah they're like this is 
why I got to this level in the first place, so I don't have to worry about all those little yeah, dates. Yeah, fucked up. I just do whatever lobby. the fuck I want. Yeah, it allows a lot of people to do that. Yeah, totally. Um, but the NRA is going against all of these accounts of their meeting, and they released a statement saying, the NRA categorically denies any discussion occurred about special arrangements pertaining to the NRA's support of the president and vice versa. Exactly. Hmm. Categorically. That word has always been interesting. Does that mean by a large amount, or is it like neutral like which category are we talking about yeah here? just like across <laughs> the categorically okay okay <laughs> when we play categories at the white house <laughs> yeah. nice yeah a strange choice of word it is right yeah yeah, yeah. um categorically patently category one or category patently 10. false yeah. very confused category, yeah unequivocally mm-hmm. right right Damn. ubiquitously mm. words are funny mm-hmm. like that <laughs> <laughs> obtusely <laughs> indubitably yeah indubitably mm-hmm. um, but yeah and then I mean the other thing is too I don't even know if the Trump can the Trump campaign they're kind of like shopping on each other right now because the NRA is a failing organization at this point honestly mm, the failing and, NRA yeah <laughs> yeah exactly they really are so I think there's also kind of this thing this dance Trump and his campaign are probably doing in their brain where they might legitimately be thinking okay, so let's say that I talk about expanded background checks and the NRA doesn't give me money or whatever. I mean, the things that he could stand to gain maybe by going against them and being more for expanded background checks could be worth his political gain, but I don't I don't, I don't know. Probably yeah. not. Yeah, Probably not, because either, he already went back. He already switched, and he's already gone back to saying, no, never mind, we have enough sufficient background <laughs> checks in place. And it sucks that he's blaming the lack of gun legislation now on impeachment. Mm, not right. not his own kowtowing to the NRA in exchange for this money. Yeah, he is. He was giving Pelosi shit, saying that Pelosi doesn't care about getting any gun legislation done. She wants, she just wants to go forward with impeachment and this witch hunt, and that's obviously absurd. And it's like, mm. no, dude. Of course, the, the, like they would love to be able to legislate right now, mm-hmm. but they can't because you're such a child idiot criminal. They have to follow everything you do yeah. every day. And McConnell won't bring anything to the floor that Trump won't pre-approve. Mm-hmm. And there's, I think, over now 200 bills on his desk that are just sitting there that the house has passed so to to say that the house isn't legislating and they're not able to do their jobs because of this witch hunt is absolutely false yes it is uh and well thank you guys thank you for that oh yeah uh what i think the big story of the week is comes from the washington post friday evening it has to do with that meeting in the oval office in 2017 infamous meeting by now uh with trump lavrov and kislyak we already know from the Mueller probe and from public reporting that Trump didn't allow American press in that meeting, and we learned about it from Russian state television, (laughs) like we've learned about most of the Trump-Putin calls and meetings, and and then, of course, this meeting with uh, Kislyak and Lavrov. And in that meeting, we knew already for a while now that Trump revealed classified Israeli intelligence about ISIS in Syria to the Russians, which, by the way, may have been fed to Trump for the purpose of leaking disinformation, which some U.S. officials have warned Trump Israel was doing. Uh, And we learned uh, that he told the Russians he fired Comey, who was a nut job the day before, and that helped lift the Russia pressure. Uh, Mm. But (laughs) but that's all laid out in the Mueller report, too. Mm -hmm. But in this new reporting, according to three former officials with knowledge of the matter, which to me means three former officials who had access to that super secret code word protected classified database, 
Uh, Trump told the two senior Russian officials he was unconcerned about Moscow's interference in the 2016 election because the United States did the same thing in other countries. Mm, just like when he said, we're all murderers. I'm like, uh, speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah, that was his great uh, moral equivalency tour mm-hmm. oh, in yeah. 2017. Right, right. <clears throat> Followed up with the Lube the Truth tour. Yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, that assertion alarmed White House officials who then sought to limit the access of the remarks. These comments had not been previously reported before Friday, and the memo summarized that summarizing that meeting was limited to only a few officials with the highest security clearances to prevent them from leaking. Washington Post says it's not exactly clear that the memo was placed in the same code word classified server that we've been talking about, where the July 25th Ukraine call with Zelensky was hidden, along with at least one other call with Putin and one call with uh, Mohammed bin Salman. And the White House uh, began limiting records of Trump calls after his transcripts with Mexico and Australia were leaked. Uh, Now, this meeting appeared in the Mueller report, like I said. However, it did not include this information, which leads me to believe that Mueller did not know about or have access to the code word classified system, whether it's this one or the one that the Mm -hmm. other other, uh, meetings have been stashed in. And that could have additional implications for anyone who failed to mention it, obstructed its being handed over, or lied about things that they knew to be in there. And I'm not sure Congress will pursue that line of inquiry, but I think it's an important footnote here. Mm -hmm. But the context of what he said to the Russians in this new reporting, effectively admitting he knew that Russia interfered and threw America under the bus by telling them we interfere in other elections too, which, by the way, has not been true since the Cold War is just it's simply stunning to me. It harkens back, like you said, to Jalisa when Trump was asked about the assassination of journalists and Putin dissidents by Bill O'Reilly on Fox News. And and he said, there's a lot of killers. You think our country is so innocent? And another former senior official told The Washington Post that Trump regularly defended Russia's actions, saying no country is pure. And that was all part of his that streak of moral equivalency I was talking about, the moral equivalency tour. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I have beans on the MBS and Putin uh, calls. Um, We talked about what they could be a little bit earlier in the show. Uh, But I think it's important to know how Mueller fits into this and the Mueller report fits into this and that Mueller did not know about that server or the meetings or memos that were hidden mm-hmm. within it, whether it was one or two different servers. I'm not sure. Totally. Mm-hmm. But Mueller's like, he better, guys better not call me. I bet he's hoping that no one's going to come to him for like follow-ups, you know? He's, he's like, on a I'm beach done. in Hawaii somewhere. Yeah, yeah. He's just gone, <laughs> man. But you're right. It's still super relevant now more than ever. That'd be great. You text Mueller and then you get the dots, but nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just red. <laughs> he probably just has a pager on his belt loop because he's wearing full-blown pants on a oh beach. My God, with the sandals, the Jesus sandals. <laughs> he's, wearing, he's wearing his suit. You deserve it. Muller. Sort of suit in his tie. <laughs> having a virgin daiquiri. Yeah. Right, right. With his Casio watch and <laughs> But the pants are rolled up a little bit, you know. Yes. He's a cool guy. <laughs> Just a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you don't want to get sand in the loafers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, anyway, that I I just think that, that that story made me really mad, actually, when I heard it. Because as a veteran, I, I even tweeted out, I'm like, you're a disgusting piece of shit, and I hate you for this, and for what you're, you, you just told Russia that America sucks, and you don't care what they did to mm-hmm. our elections, and I, I just fucking hate your face. Mm-hmm. I was really mad about that. Yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, those are hot notes today. And uh, now, are you ready for sabotage? Yes. Yes. So usually sabotage is a lead up. Usually. That was weird. My little Bobby Brady voice cracking. (laughs) Changes. (laughs) 
Usually sabotage is a lead up for the Fantasy Indictment League. Um, some story that pops up at the last minute that might affect the way that we draft our fantasy indictment picks. Uh, but because we're steeped in the Ukraine scandal and impeachment stuff, I have a bit of news today, a little sabotage that came out of the office of Mitch McConnell. So prior to Pelosi's announcement <clears throat> on impeachment, McConnell had said that any articles of impeachment from the House would never see the light of day in the Senate. He wouldn't even consider it. Uh, but then after Nancy announced impeachment on Tuesday of this week, for the three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and most of Friday, we heard nothing from Mitch McConnell. And I thought that was very telling. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people didn't make, make a big noise about it, uh, but I thought it was really interesting that he was, he's been silent all week since mm -hmm. the whistleblower complaint blew up. <laughs> and we had posited that his silence was deafening. But McConnell has now said, it's being reported that if the House votes, votes for impeachment, the Senate, quote, has no choice but to hold a trial to decide whether to remove Trump from office. Mm -hmm. That's what McConnell said. Yeah. Um, so uh, he has said that. I don't know if he's going to hold true to it, but that's going to put the Senate on the record. And, you know, Jeff Flake is saying, I think, 30 people, if the, if the vote were private, 30 Republican senators would vote to impeach him. But it's not a private vote. You can't do that. You mm -hmm. have to go on public record. And it seems now that we will have that public record if the articles of impeachment are approved in the House, if it goes to the Senate for trial, will be able to hold these senators accountable for acquitting the president for yeah. what we already know to be yeah. an impeachable offense. So they're afraid of their Trump supporting <laughs> yeah. constituents, right? That's got to be a tough situation because for one, I, I quickly want to think like, oh, who would even want to represent them? But they probably didn't even know how crazy this was when they decided to be a politician for that particular district. Like, I, I want to think sometimes that all of those Republicans are just like shitty people that automatically should be like, you know, scorned. But I wonder if there's some of them that are close to the Republicans in the House or that the Democrats that have moderate constituents that were like, hey, we're going to come out with it at a certain point. But I mean, they did come out with it, though, those people in the House. So I'm like, OK, maybe there's time. I know we're fighting a clock here, but maybe there's enough time for them to say, look, I tried to hold it down for my people, but I have to make a conscious decision. Like, yeah, and I, I think if we, hope, can, right? if we can get what if we can get what's in that code word classified server or if Trump destroyed it, tampered with it, there would be evidence to show that because it's a highly classified thing. You have to have like password access to get into. We have to know your code word and you. there's only eight of you. And yeah. I know Bob's code word is, you know, child pornography. And so <laughs> yeah, I know you were in there, Bob. Right. This um, should be an opening for those Republicans to say, hey, I still think that Trump is our guy, but he messed up. And this is a way that we all should be held accountable. Maybe that's mm -hmm. a way that they can get around it because there's still some heavy Trump supporters out there that are not going to be happy with them if they did a public vote and, you know, obviously voted the way they're saying they would privately. Yeah, but if that stuff on that server comes out or mm -hmm. it's been tampered with in any way or SCOTUS compels Trump to release it, compels the White House to release it, which I think they will, uh, I don't think the Republicans can hold. And like you said, I think it gives them a reason to say this is different too much beyond the pale. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's what I'm hoping for. We've been hoping for two years, but, you know, hey, it might just happen. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right, you ready to play the Fantasy Indictment League? Yes. I'm going to be indicted! No, wait, it's going to be a... Indicted! Honey, dick. Indicted! Honey. I'm going to be indicted! Hold it, they can't. It's going to be okay. Just calm down. I can't calm down. I'm going to be indicted! All right, so impeachment is a political exercise, not a criminal one. So for the Fantasy Indictment League, we're going to stick to criminal investigations and proceedings related to this administration. And today, Jaleesa, you get to go first. Oh, cool. And then <laughs> Jordan and then myself. All right, I will go with 
Barrick, please. Oh, oh, you bitch. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just showing there's no loyalty in the fantasy. I still love you guys. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. I love it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Soriano. Nice. I'm going to go with Nader. Cool. I'll take Broidy, please. Oh, good one. Nice. I'll do Trevor Dot Girl. I'm gonna do Wayne Lapierre. Oh. Um mm, I will go with <laughs> this is good. Um Corsi. Mm, all right. Yeah, yeah, bringing it back. I'll do mm, AMI. AMI, nice. I'm gonna go with uh Gislaine. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, Maxwell. very relevant. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping some of the throwbacks will come back, even the criminal ones. Laughing the Gislaine. Yeah. Um, but for the <laughs> more recent ones, I'll take Igor. Igor. Mm. Yeah, so a rando Igor. Rando Igor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um let's see. I guess I'll do Pecker. You've selected Pecker. Nice, nice. I'm gonna do the Trump organization. Nice. I will take Eric Prince, please. <laughs> is the, this is our fifth one? I think you guys are in your last ones, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll do um Mine uh, was Eric Prince. Yeah. Nice. That's a good one. Yeah, it is. Um all right. Nader. Did it. Aww. Did it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he yeah. was my first pick. Oh, shit. Sorry. No. <laughs> Unless you do like Ralph Nader. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> should do it a different Nader. Okay. I'll do a, I'll do a yeah, rando. Yeah, guy. I'll just do a rando. All right. Rando. Nice. Uh, I'm going to hit uh, Calamari. Cool. Mm-hmm. I also had Weisselberg. Tucker, Howard, Keith Davidson, AMI. Oh, yeah, Jordan got that. Yeah, yeah, nice. All right, that's how we play the Fantasy Indictment League. We'll be right back with the interview. A real-life lawyer, um, wonderful guy named Andrew Torres from the Opening Arguments podcast. Really, really brilliant podcast if you haven't listened to it, so stick around for that. Stylish, comfortable work attire. You shouldn't have to pick just two. And I'm here to sing the praises of Beta Brands Dress Pant Yoga Pants, where you can have all three. I am obsessed with these pants because they're super comfy, they're perfectly stretchy, and you can't wrinkle them even if you try. Uh, So whatever your style, Beta Brand has the pants to match. You can get boot cut, straight leg, skinny, cropped. They have um, just really like luxury denim, six button, wide leg. Uh, And while I have all black, they have dozens of colors and patterns, cuts and styles, uh, including a pair with eight pockets that you can choose from. Eight, eight pockets uh, to hold all your subpoenas. Uh, And they're incredibly comfortable. They feel like yoga pants because they are yoga pants. They're dress yoga pants, but they have fancy touches like real belt loops and faux zippers and buttons. And the amazing folks at Beta Brand want your help turning up-and-coming designs into full-fledged products. Anyone can join the community brainstorm that brings new Beta Brand styles to life. And when you do it, you can get up to 30% off every time you fund a new design. Uh, I have the boot cut and the wide leg and the cropped pants all in black, and I travel. I never travel without them. I always bring them with me. They pack brilliantly. They never wrinkle. They're comfortable enough to travel in. You can do yoga in them, but they're stylish enough to be appropriate for public appearances, meetings with former U.S. attorneys and producers. I used to buy my suiting at the old places and inevitably I'd have to have them tailored because they never fit off the rack. Uh, They didn't breathe. They had itchy tags. I remember being so uncomfortable I couldn't concentrate on my work and I didn't even realize it until I got the beta brand, you know, dress yoga pants. I just, I didn't realize how much my mind was on how uncomfortable my pants were. So I didn't know you could have business time pants with yoga time comfort. And so now I won't wear anything else. You uh, have to try a pair of these pants from beta brand. Trust me, you will love them and you can get 20% off at betabrand.com slash ag. Don't wait. 
right. See for yourself why millions of women agree these are the most comfortable dress pants ever. Go to betabrand.com slash AG for 20% off. That's B-E-T-A-B-R-A-N-D dot com slash AG. You'll be glad you did. All right, today for the interview, please welcome co-host of the Opening Arguments podcast and real-life lawyer, Andrew Torres. Andrew, how are you? I am fantastic, AG. How are you? I'm so good. I haven't seen you since we almost sang karaoke with Asha Rangappa. <laughs> that is, there, there are only a handful of, like, things that I will regret on my deathbed, but uh, that is that is clearly one of them. That was, uh, that was such a great time after the uh, live show in Philly. Yeah, me too. I, I've thought about it since the, like... I, if you know when uh, younger people ask me for advice i'm always like being their mentor like look if you have a choice between not doing something and doing something always do something because you'd rather regret doing something than not doing something and you're right not singing karaoke with ajarankappa is is number oh, 1 on the list yeah, right yeah. now <laughs> so how are you did you did you survive yesterday <laughs> uh yeah i'm actually doing really well i'm in high spirits i'm i feel like i'm finally uh cuz i th- i feel like muller edged us for like 3 years <laughs> And now it's all like, oh, yeah, now it's finally coming out. And uh, it, it's not what I want it to be, but it's good enough. I Yeah, that that's A, that is without a doubt the best analogy anyone has ever given on this entire process. I wanted Joey, but I got Chandler and it's OK. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to go over some of these legal questions that people are having about this whistleblower thing, and oh, yeah. impeachment, et cetera. And I want to ask specifically beyond the impeachable high crimes right. that Trump himself admitted to that we knew before he released the whistleblower complaint, before we released the transcript of the call, before the DNI testified, the things we already know he's... That we've known since January of 2017. <laughs> the yeah, thing we already know he's impeachable for, uh, specifically the abuse of power and pressuring a foreign leader to investigate a political rival. But but what about criminality here? And I mean, obviously, we can't indict a sitting president, but there seems to be this thing on the right, especially and with Trump supporters, where they feel like if he didn't commit a by the book crime, he can't be indicted or I don't believe it. And so, first of all, why did the Department of Justice, we, we learned during that testimony with McGuire, the DNI, the uh, acting DNI, that he referred him and the ICIG, the in- intelligence community inspector general referred, made a criminal referral to the FBI, right. but the department of justice specifically only looked at campaign finance violations. And can you, ex- I thought there was one, but why is there not? Um, so there definitely is. Um, the only reason I can give for their not being a criminal referral here is Bill Barr is a dishonest hack who is, you know, positioned himself to body block anybody in between himself and the president. And, I, you know, that's the biggest whiff that I feel like I've made in the, the Trump presidency. In the Mueller report, uh, in the Mueller report, they, they, you know, Mueller specifically laid out with this June 9th, June 9th, 2016 Trump Tower meeting that the dirt on Hillary, they had a hard time assigning value to it. Yeah. Uh, but isn't there a specific category of opposition research and political campaigns that this that the Hillary dirt didn't fall under, but this would. So um, I I don't let me let me answer this in a, in a couple of ways. First, the the relevant law, in my view, super clear 
and and also clear on the oppo research right like so i don't put i i view Mueller's statement in in volume one with respect to Don Trump Jr. as kind of listing the whole uh, one of a large number of reasons why they decided not to make a criminal referral of of Don Jr. The largest one, I think, is the um, we think he was just too stupid to 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 meet the requisite intent um, that, that I mean, and I don't mean that facetiously. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that comes through loud and clear because there is the line in which, um, you know, he doesn't quite say it this way because Mueller doesn't quite say anything this way, but but basically <laughs> says, you know, look, if this had been Paul Manafort, we might have made a criminal referral. Right. So um, so I, I don't know that I share the characterization or that I would take away from the Mueller report that. Um, that the Hillary Oppo file is not a thing of value. Um, the statute's 52 USC 30121. Um, it makes it illegal for any person to solicit, accept, or receive a contribution from a foreign national, and that is a donation of money or other thing of value, or to make an express or implied promise to make a contribution or thing of value in connection with any election. I have talked to a number of election lawyers, I've had them on my show, um, and they are uh, uniform in saying that uh, when you work in this area, when you advise political campaigns um that, that it just this does not have to be a sack of money with a dollar sign on it, right you sure it's not like a like a plastic bag full of ten thousand dollars with a boxing glove in it yeah. are you sure yeah you're right <laughs> um there there are a number of cases uh that have held that intangible things nevertheless constitute a thing of value um, newspaper endorsements, stories, right? I mean, you know, last time I was on and we were talking about AMI, like it, it's clear nobody is saying, for example, that killing, uh, you know, a story involving uh, Stormy Daniels or, or killing a story, uh, you know, involving other allegations against Trump, that that's not a thing of value, right? Like so, um, so intangible stuff can be a thing of value. Okay, so it's not it's not necessarily it's not necessarily about the thing of value. It's more about the fact that in specifically in the Don Jr. example, he didn't have he didn't knowingly and willfully do this. Exactly. But now that we're in this situation because of (laughs) Mueller, there's no way Trump could have not knowingly and willfully done this. Yeah. and, And let me pile on on that because of Mueller. And because of the way Trump responded to Mueller, right? So in May, Trump looked at the report and said, what? I don't understand. Like, if so, if if a, if a hostile foreign power had dirt on my 2020 opponent, I would go solicit it. And it caused the chairman, the chairwoman of, of the Federal Elections Commission, Ellen Weintraub. By the way, if you don't follow her on Twitter, she is a delight. Um, oh, I she, do. She's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and so she released... Um, the the most uh, ag like statement that I have ever seen a lawyer release on the uh, on the FEC website, and it says, "Let me make something one hundred percent clear." By the, I'm not paraphrasing here; I'm reading directly from the statement. Right to the American public and to anyone running for public office, it is illegal to for any person to solicit, accept, or receive anything of value from a foreign national. This is not a novel concept, right? Like it, that. that Lawyers don't typically talk that way, you know, except me. Um, and, and <laughs> You're special. The, the chair of the FEC does not has not ever talked that way, as far as I know. So, you know, not only do we have uh, the the 
the the kind of post Mueller. But we have the FEC sort of putting everyone on notice of no, no hey, look, like the things that Trump uh, are, are saying here are nonsense, and if you uh, get an offer or you know about an offer to give you anything from any foreign source, you, quote, should report that <laughs> offer to the Federal Bureau of Investigation, end of quote. I, I love that everyone's out there trying to make sure that Trump knows that this is illegal. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, it just it seems it seems like totally feasible to me that he, you know, with his interview with Stephanopoulos, oh, well, I would take it yeah. or with his just complete ignorance or maybe his mental unfitness, he might be able to wiggle out and say, I really honestly didn't know, you guys. I didn't know. So I'm, I'm a little worried about that. I also I also wanted to ask you about a, a, a term, a legal term of art, mm. racketeering, because there's rumors now that this could be racketeering, this whole Ukraine thing. Can you explain what racketeering is and if you think it applies? So uh, let me give you the answer first. Um, I I think racketeering would be um, not the appropriate way to go in connection uh, <clears throat> with these allegations. Um, and the reason has to do so that so the, the RICO statute, um, it's uh, it's 18 U.S.C. 1961. Um, that is the Racketeering and uh, Racketeering Influence Corrupt Organizations Act. And I, I get why people are sort of superficially attracted to that. The reason that RICO was passed in the 1970s was in recognition that sort of modern um, organized crime, like the the mob boss isn't the guy who goes out and whacks Fat Tony, right? Like he's he issues the directive, which goes down the line to somebody else to go out and actually you know, hire Joe Pesci to stab him with a pen or whatever. Um, and, and so <laughs> like, so the law makes total sense. Um, but in order for the law to apply, so the law is basically, uh, you know, anybody who's any part of the conspiracy is liable for all the acts of the conspiracy. That's true in common law conspiracy as well. Uh, but, but, but one of the things that Rico makes a, a federal crime is, um, you, you, you then have to be part of that corrupt organization. And the statute spells out like, 35 separate activities that um, constitute racketeering, right? So it's gambling, murder, kidnapping, um, I, and, and, and among those lists, right, it include things like bribery, mail fraud, wire fraud, you know, things that we may find that, that Trump has done. My belief is it's, it's far simpler if you're talking about a, 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 a criminal act for which Donald Trump could be arrested, uh, you know, when he's out of office, it, it would be far simpler to sort of go for the underlying bribery than to try and sort of establish that there was a corrupt organization. And then the organization did the bribery and Trump was a part of the organization. It, it, in my view, it's not a good fit. It would be a terrible fit in connection with impeachment because, you know, Prosecutors again. I'm a civil lawyer, so you know, take take this with a grain of salt. But but when I talk to prosecutors, right, it's hard to prosecute RICO cases when you have you know the 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 proverbial you know mob boss in front of it. So yeah, it would be really really hard to do that in front of Mitch Connell in the Senate in two days. You know, yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, <laughs> but I I do want to I do want to note that the reason uh, that Trump is 
able to be arrested when he leaves office and prosecuted likely um, successfully, you know, provided he's not pardoned federally by Pence or whoever, uh, is because Mueller didn't make a determination on whether or not he committed obstruction of justice. Had he done that, he could taint future juries. And so I just want to let everybody know. If you're mad about Mueller not saying that he committed obstruction of justice, there was a very, very good reason behind it. I, I, I also think I just want to I want to bracket that I, I have changed my view from where it was in 2017 um, in 2017. And again, not I don't think be, just because we have a criminally insane game show host as president. But um, it, in coming into the Trump administration, I would have said you can't indict a sitting president, period. I would have deferred to the OLC opinions. Um, I, I, I am persuaded. Remember that OLC opinions are just letters that lawyers are hired by the president. Right. So, you know, they, they don't have any independent force of law. They're just an opinion that a lawyer. Right. And so, you know, it, right. I mean, you know, John, you wrote a memo. Right. I mean, like lots of lawyers write lots of stupid memos. Oh, the I mean, Office of Legal Counsel under Bush and Cheney wrote a memo saying torture was awesome. That was the you memo. That's exactly what I was referring to. Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. the uh, the office of legal counsel is there to make it okay for people like presidents to do shit that they don't want to do. We even have this low, like low down in the in my civil service area of the government where we're like, hey, you know, I need to put this memorandum together, and we go, oh, we got to go to office of legal counsel, and it's basically like, great, make this legal for me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. So, um, so, so the fact that. That was the OLC determination. Not a huge weight in my book. And and I am persuaded. Uh, obviously, we don't have time to, to kind of go through uh, the, the history and the case law. I am persuaded that you could uh, indict the president a, a, and and uh, and stay the proceedings and that that would satisfy all of the separation of powers issues. I think so, too. Yeah. We were we were all about that. We're like, why? Why don't you just file some uh, indictments under seal? Right. And uh, exactly. walk away, go home, retire and watch a movie. And so the fallback position on that is um, as because th- th- this was I, th- I think this was implicit in your question or uh, at least something that I want to I want to riff on a little bit. And it is, you know, well, what if we find crimes uh, and now they're outside the statute of limitations? Right. Uh, because we find them out after Trump has been removed from office. Oh, well, that's easy. You just string them together with current crimes and then they're all one crime. Uh, that's I think I think that's a, uh, a a good approach. The B approach is I would argue <laughs> that they are equitably told during the time when the president is in office, right? And the, yeah. the position the OLC has taken uh, is would then be sort of exhibit one to that, right? Like if everybody in law enforcement said this doesn't count. Yeah, and nobody's uh, ever tested that. Nobody's ever tested that. Nobody's ever. We talked to, I think, Renato Mariotti about this, too. He says, I think you have a pretty good case to say that the statute of limitations was told during Trump's presidency because of the OLC memo. I think it's I think it's a pretty good case. However, the OLC memo is not a statute is what he said. And so it's hard to apply the tolling idea to something that's not an actual law, but is rather just a memo. So we're kind of between this. Uh, between a law and a memo, between a rock and a hard place, where if it were the law, we'd be able to easily say that this that we should be able to toll the statute of limitations. But because it's just a fucking memo, I personally think we should be able to indict him and just test the memo. But nobody's going to do it. 
And, and, and that's how I would, I th- I agree 100% uh, with Renato's analysis there. And I would say what bridges the gap is that that memo has the force of law to an employee of the justice department. Right. Yeah. And we have proof of that in the Mueller investigation. So now there's kind of a precedent right. for it. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have, we have his testimony. Yeah. And, and speaking of like, this whole idea of, you know, talking about racketeering and there's very specific things that you have to meet, you know, requirements you have to meet for it to be considered racketeering. And so that doesn't make much sense, especially not for impeachment. But what about a quid pro quo? Because Lindsey Graham has gone on the record saying uh, in order for this to be quid pro quo, the, the call with Zelensky, uh, you have to say the words, if you don't do this, I won't do this. Or if you do this, I will give you this. And every single prosecutor I've ever spoken to and every like everyone I've heard, Mimi Roca and Joyce Vance and, you know, all the talking feds that I see on, on TV are saying that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I've put away people for quid pro quo for less like for way more vague language than this. But I think Trump thinks he can get away with it because Mueller let him get away with, well, not let him get away with, but didn't charge him with obstruction of justice for, for, you know, specifically not saying I fire the special counsel. Like he, he, I think he thinks that he can play these word games and get away with them. I think that's right. Let me, let me work backwards. So, um, Boy, dumbest thing Lindsey Graham has said in the past couple of years is that there's a lot of things vying for first place on that list. Uh, but uh, but yes, that that's those prosecutors. This will not surprise you. Those prosecutors are correct. Um, we we know, and the there are literally hundreds of bribery cases uh, in which the. Um, in which it was held sufficient to go to a jury, right? Because that's really what we're talking about is can a jury draw the reasonable inference that there was a promise of something of value, right? And so, you know. Yeah. Are you going to are you going to play ball? Are you going to are you going to play ball? And and that's how right. That's how mobsters talk. That's how the president talks. Um, what what usually like the reason our bribery laws are broken. Right. And this this goes back to the McDonald case that went up to the Supreme Court. It was nine nothing. Right. So and so this is not just kind of political hackery, but like we had a Republican governor, Bob McDonald in Virginia, who was like a cartoon villain uh, in terms of bribery. Right? Like, I mean, th- this, you know, these shady companies would like that they rented him a Ferrari. They gave his wife a fur coat. Right. I mean, like literally the kind of thing that if you wrote into a movie, you know, um, uh, the, the, the script writers would look back and be like, uh, OK, that's a little bit hacky. Right. Like it, it was it was just <laughs> ridiculous right like i got you a fur coat i let you sing at the lounge what are you doing you know it's yeah and and he did it and so he got all of this stuff for access right and the conviction was reversed by the supreme court and so a lot of good government folks and and they they should be you know sort of rightfully outraged were like okay well apparently you can bribe the hell out of governors and nothing can happen um but but and that's basically true um but it's true on the second half of the quid pro quo, right? In other words, the problem was not establishing that there were things of value exchanged. The the problem is, is that in bribery, what the politician has to give up is the performance of an official act. 
Right. And so the McDonald case said, hey, um, just introducing your scumbag buddy who let you ride in his Ferrari uh, around the legislature is not and, and, you know, sort of making it known, hey, I'd like you to do this guy a favor. That's not, quote, an official act. Well, that is the easiest thing to satisfy here in connection with Ukraine. Right. We we have an official act, namely Donald Trump directing the Office of Management and Budget to withhold congressionally issued funds, $250 million worth of aid to Ukraine. So this that part, the McDonald case is not going to help Donald Trump here. I think this is an open and shut case of bribery. And I think that the the folks saying no collusion are stupid. <laughs> no collusion. Right. <laughs> the, the folks saying no quid pro quo are the equivalent of the folks saying no collusion are one step below the morons who are uh, nattering and going, well, you know, the whistleblower complaint is hearsay. Um, which which may be the stupidest thing coming out of Trump land, because especially since Trump released the transcript of the call, especially because complaints aren't don't have to be testament, right? Like complaints are always hearsay. And you have and I, I really I've been ta- trying to get this out to as many Democratic legislators as possible. Um, but but this is such a perfect own goal, because when, you know, Republican hack reading the leaked talking points that nevertheless they still read anyway says well, you know this whistleblower complaint is just hearsay you you should turn and look at the camera and say that's right that's why in order to make it not hearsay we need to not just talk to the whistleblower but all of his sources thanks i'm glad you agree with us yeah. on that right like because that's how you solve the hearsay problem <laughs> We do that with Kavanaugh all the time. People are like, oh, you know what? She, you know, she made that up or she didn't remember it. She didn't recall. I'm like, you know what? An investigation would clear this right up. And that's what Adam Schiff was getting at at the end of uh, the DNI McGuire's testimony. He's like, don't you think somebody should look into that? Like maybe somebody should investigate and talk to those people. Right. Like who who should do that? Who should investigate? Oh, us? Us? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It was just beautifully done. I thought Schiff coming out of the box with so uh, i just want to get this straight you went to the subject of the complaint to ask him whether we should release the complaint right and mcguire kind of you know looked up at the you know looked up at the cameras looked up at schiff and was like well yeah i guess i did that but you know this is not like any other case and schiff was like yeah, you're damn right it's not like any other case yeah and and if we are if we aren't looking at uh, is quid pro quo uh, under bribery law is that the law that that rests under yeah it, yeah yeah it has to be a thing of so quid pro quo is not in any of the statutes right but it's the i think it's i'm terrible at latin i think it's this for that but right like it it is the statute says you have to exchange a thing of value in exchange for the performance for being influenced in the performance right like you don't have to actually do something okay so there's actually no law yeah. called quid pro quo right. and this is probably just another one of those reflexive active measures techniques used by the administration to make you think that no collusion no quid pro quo yeah although although in fairness i mean i don't want to be overly fair to the trump administration but like l- lawyers do talk that way, right? Like so quid pro quo is sort of the shorthand. The law is 18 U.S.C. 201, and it says it's a crime for a public official to directly or indirectly demand, seek or receive. Right. Or and then there's a whole bunch of other stuff. Anything of value in return for being influenced in the performance of an official act. So that's that's what they're saying. And the, and the really important part 
there that, that that kind of goes beyond the quid pro quo is right it's the asking that's the bad part and it's the being influenced that's the bad part on the other hand right so even if you never get the the info from ukraine right doesn't matter even if you even if trump had not changed his position and not withheld the funds it wouldn't matter he did um but but right so it is you you don't have to actually right like it's not like uh, you, you know, you you have to actually hand over the sack with the dollar sign on it uh, for the bribery to take place. Asking is the crime. Yeah. And you actually don't have to have a criminal act of bribery here to have it be a high crime and misdemeanor right. to ask a foreign a foreign leader for for help against your opponent. And we don't even know, you know, speaking of things of value, what that extra hundred and forty million dollars that was tacked on to the military aid was for. So I'm interested in that as well. You, me, me, too. I it, So so uh, let me add eight, eight seconds on on kind of two, two more things on on both of those. Um, not number one. Uh, you do not need an underlying crime to have a high crime or misdemeanor. And the easy way to explain that to Uncle Frank or somebody, you know, hack who's repeating Fox News talking points is imagine that we had a president who uh, you elected and he then immediately absconded uh, and defected to, you know, to Russia. Right. And like you, you couldn't call him. You couldn't talk him. He didn't he didn't do anything in the performance. Right? He just didn't answer his phone calls and just didn't do the job. Of course, you would impeach him. Right. Like you, that that's that's the reason there is an impeachment statute in the first place. But like it's not illegal to just live in Russia. Right. Like, it's not illegal to, you know, go go off into the woods. Um, but but it's still impeachable. That's still a high crime or misdemeanor for the office of presidency. So, yeah, number one. And, and that's totally clear. Right. Like all of the articles of impeachment against Richard Nixon reiterate that it was failure to uphold the oath of office yeah. and to take care to exercise uh, that the laws are enforced. And you can fail to take care. <laughs> Andrew, when Trump tried to po uh, pressure the postmaster general to double the shipping rates on Amazon, yep. that I was like, what? This is yep. what Nixon did with the IRS. Yep. We should impeach him now. Yep. And uh, nobody seems to remember that one. <laughs> I, uh, we 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 started because I got my first inquiry on on my show of, you know, when is Trump going to be impeached when he appointed Jared Kushner to the White House staff. Right. And and like that's very clearly a violation of the anti-nepotism <laughs> yes. laws. Um, and he just didn't care. And, you know, and, and gave the, him a security clearance, right? overrode his security yeah. clearance. It's so, nuts, man. Yeah, it's yeah, nuts. Yeah. Uh, so so number one, you don't have to just just remember, right, you don't have to have a, a crime like it would be a crime for you and I for it to be a high crime and misdemeanor under the Constitution. And and number two, the, the other thing you're starting to see this bubble up on, on the right. Um, they're saying, well, you know, uh, this is a reiteration of the Bill Barr position on uh, firing Comey, right, um, that. Well, if it's within the presidential prerogative, it can't be a crime. Right. And the president, you know, has the prerogative to steer aid to Ukraine or not. Um, that That's that's true, but also stupid. No, there's a whole chapter. Yeah, there's a whole section in the Mueller report that explains it perfectly. Yep. Uh, why the separation of powers clause doesn't apply when you're acting corruptly. And yeah. it, it's beautifully written out. Uh, it. it 
It even explains why you can't fire Comey, even though that's part of your Article 2 powers, uh, if it's done corruptly. He has this beautiful logic chain. I really highly recommend everyone yep. read the Mueller report if you haven't read it. I, or or listen to it as uh, as being read by your favorite podcast host, which uh, is is the next best thing. But but the, the way I explain that to folks, particularly to Republicans, because it gets under their skin, is it's the Blagojevich rule, right? Like that, that there's nothing wrong with a governor appointing an interim senator to fill the role of a Senate seat for somebody who's uh, who's resigned. There is something wrong to filling that by auctioning it off to the highest bidder. Right. So, uh, it, you know, you just sort of keep that in mind in terms of. Right. It was no defense for Rod Blagojevich to be like, what? I'm the governor. I get to fill Barack Obama's Senate seat. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you don't get to say I got this thing and it's fucking Goldman. I'm not going to let it go away for nothing. Um, and that's to me, that's a lot. Yeah, I agree. Well, Andrew, thanks so much for spending some time. This has been a, a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate you. Everybody, if you haven't listened to the opening arguments podcast, uh, you need to. Oh, and by the way, what are you doing November 7th? So November 7th, I will be oh, you're in, in Italy. Italy. Yeah, I'll be uh, overseas, right. sadly. Otherwise, you know, I'd be there. So I've already asked. Yeah, because we're going to be live in Boston. We're going to have Greg Oliar there with <sighs> us. And I was looking for another friend. So but if you're going to be in Italy, that's fine. Say hi to Papadopoulos for me. I, and <laughs> maybe Mangiati I, I will, will be there. Yeah, and I'm doing a Mediterranean cruise. So, you know, wherever wherever he's hiding. <laughs> oh, good. Maybe you'll run into Deripaska's boat. Maybe Nastia Ribko will be there. It'll be a good time. You could give him some polling data, you know, just hop on and be like, I have polling data. And he'll just bring you right up. Sure. That's that's the kind of thing that apparently it's okay to share with foreign oligarchs. So I'll uh, I'll keep that in mind. Uh, yes. When are we get, when are we gonna get you back on opening arguments? Oh, whenever you want. Let me know. Uh, October's pretty busy, but hey, the holiday season is is the time for giving. So I think that would be a good time. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody. Uh, seriously, opening arguments podcast. Andrew Torres, thanks again for being on Mueller. She wrote. Oh, uh, thanks for having me back. All right. That's our show. Um, big, crazy week. Uh, again, if you have any corrections, send them to us, MullerSheWrote.com. Click on contact, select corrections. Let us know what you would like us to change. And if you want to remain anonymous, tell us because otherwise we'll shout you out. And uh, that's all I have. Do you guys have any final thoughts? Yeah. Just check out uh, the Rachel Maddow <laughs> show wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'm still working on the Julissa Johnson show, but I got some good guests. So I'm excited about that. Probably October-ish, late October. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, um, I'm going to be in, well, I guess this comes out tonight. I'm going to Huntington tonight for a show, so that doesn't really mean anything. Oh, well, if you're in Huntington. It means a lot to me. Because right? <laughs> this show comes out at 6.30, so if you're in Huntington. Oh, good. You yeah. Through, where are you at? Show starts at 8 o'clock. Uh, rec Room. Rec Room, nice. Yes. If you can get there in half an hour, <laughs> <laughs> then you can see me. And uh, Jordan and I will be at Venice Underground Comedy October 23rd yes. in Venice. That'll be a fun show. That'll be so with, fun. With uh, Tamara Catan, who is one of, we, you've heard us talk about him a lot. He's got a really great um, podcast called They Tried to Bury Us About American Immigration Stories. Absolutely incredibly, insanely funny guy, winner of the World Series of Comedy. You should check it out. Mm -hmm. uh, he'll be there October 23rd as well. The Venice Underground, it's at the, what's it? The, um, the townhouse. Yeah. On Windward. In, in the Venice. basement. In the basement. Free, so cool. free show. Mm -hmm. Free show. Also, keep calling your reps. I think yes. that really makes a difference to them. Yes. Right now, especially. Yes. Yeah. It's been working. Yeah. I guarantee they're like, 
yeah, there there must be just a huge database tracking all of the public engagement, yeah. and, and that must be informing them in some way. And yeah, they can like, tell if you're a local caller, too. So it means a lot if you're calling from your actual district as opposed to doing it from the outside, because they will yeah, they prioritize. Verify. Yeah, the and if you that, yeah. are in the district, but your area code happens to be from somewhere else, but you live in that district, make sure you let them know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they always ask me for my first and last name and zip code to verify. Same, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're great. Get on that. And I mean, those seven um, freshmen uh, Congress people, five mm-hmm. women that are all former military and CIA, and then the two the two gentlemen um, are all from uh, Trump or purple districts. And they came out, wrote that op ed, and said, mm-hmm. "We can't. Um, a, this is a bridge too far. Yeah, we have to support impeachment inquiry on this." So. Yeah. Did I you think see? that you calling your reps might have had something to do with that. Hope so. And Pelosi had read that op-ed and it helped her. She had to call up and, and change her mind on that, too. Yeah. Did you see Tulsi Gabbard came out in yeah. support of impeachment? Yeah. But, uh, what an idiot. If she's, if she's <laughs> for it, like, whoa. Yeah. Um, when I saw that, I was just like... That must have been such a hang your head, walk over to the other side moment for like, all right. Walk of shame. Fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. You win. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's just such, so much corruption. And uh, it, I think it's going to just get worse. And mm-hmm. that pleases me. So Same. Uh, everybody, please um, have a wonderful week. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. I've been AG. I've been Julissa Johnson. I've been Jordan Coburn. And this is Muller She Wrote. Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by AG with editing and logo design by Jaleesa Johnson. Our marketing consultant and social media manager is Sarah Lee Steiner, and our subscriber and communications director is Jordan Coburn. Fact-checking and research by AG, and research assistance by Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Our merchandising managers are Sarah Lee Steiner and Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com. W Media.